Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill, and welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. And today we're going to be talking about the value of having an executive assistant in your business. If you don't have one, if you've never used one, then stay tuned. This is a show that you're going to get a lot of benefit from. With me on air today is Ethan and Stephanie Bull, a happily married couple and co-founders of Pro Assisting, a next generation remote executive assistance firm for business owners and C-suite executives. With backgrounds in advertising, entertainment, hospitality, finance, fashion, and healthcare, and experts in the executive assistant space, they have held a variety of senior positions supporting CEOs in those industries. As top-level executive assistants, they have an intimate look at the principal-family relationship, especially when it involves the business. They are husband-wife team. They are together 24-7. Let's hear what it's like to work together. Welcome to the show, Ethan first and Stephanie second. Oh, thanks for having us, Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. It's great to be with you. All right. And you guys are based where? You're in upstate New York, yeah? Yes, we are in the Finger Lakes, Mm -hmm. uh, Canandaigua Lake, which is uh, just east of Rochester, New York. Wow, must be really nice up there when the weather's nice, I bet. Um, It's a beautiful part of the world. And uh, now you cut your teeth doing this kind of work first in New York City, right? Where, you know, where, where talent goes to become really found as stars and where you're working for like rock star talent people. So um, first, just give us a little bit of background. Like, why did you leave New York City and move out to the country? Uh, <laughs> we, we had our second son. Uh, we were we were having our second son. And honestly, the thought of finding a new nanny um, and the expense of that to pay our mortgage on our condo and both go off and work every day. and. Yeah. Um, the pace and and the amount of space. Um, we lived in a 
1100 square foot, two bedroom, two bath uh, condo with our 90 pound Bernie's mountain dog, our first son. And then the second one was coming. So it was uncle time. It was uncle, uncle, get me out of here. I'm ready to go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, hopefully you live near Central Park so that the do- that dog could get a lot of running. But uh, so when what were each, each of you doing when, you know, what was the last job you held in New York City? Um, I was working for a hedge fund um, and I'd been working there for a couple of years. Um, I before that, I had a little bit of a of a zigzag journey. I started in finance in New York City, working for um, a multi-billion dollar hedge fund, working for a CEO. And then after almost a decade, I decided to follow my what I thought was where my heart was, which was in the fashion world, and went to work for um, J. Crew Corporate. And worked for the CEO there, and um, quickly realized that um, I liked fashion as a hobby, but did not like the people that worked in fashion. And I was um, one of I was the head of eight assistants, um, and it was a bit of chaos. So I went back into the finance world um, before we came to upstate New York. Interesting. And Ethan, what was your journey before while you were in your closing years in New York City? Well, actually, what's what's interesting about about I think my story is that there's probably only about two percent of of men are executive assistants out of all the assistants across the country. And um, I moved to New York City to work in entertainment, in film and television. And that is where the assistant position is really the stepping stone, if you will, for um about 60 to 70% of the people who go on to have successful careers in entertainment. And I did that for five years and then shifted over to advertising where I was executive assistant to the chief operating officer of Deutsch, uh, the ad agency, not the bank. And I was also director of admin services. So I oversaw a team of about 12 assistants and we supported about 60 executives. I was at Deutsch for 13 years. You got to work with a famous Donnie Deutsch. Yes. I did. Yes. Donnie yeah. is, uh, is, is a character and um, a real is. hard charger and yep. uh, really good at what he does. He really is. You got to tip your hat to Donnie. hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I used to watch him on the TV show that he had on, uh, I guess it was CNBC. I'm not sure. Yep. But yeah. Uh, yeah, impressive guy. And so, all right. So when did you decide to form Pro Assisting? We actually formed Pro Assisting initially in 2009 as an educational and training program for other college graduates um, to learn how to be an executive or administrative assistant real quick so they could pick an industry that they're passionate about, get a job as an assistant, you know, be a rock star, get promoted from within and, and take that as their career path. Uh, we ran that from 2009 to 2017. Um, after, you know, after a few years, it kind of just ran itself. Um, you know, we had good SEO, uh, for the website. And then in 2018, we transitioned it to the company it is today, which is a, a fractional remote executive assistance firm. And it's a bit different than your 
other virtual assistant firms. Now, um, let's talk about that. I started working, my, I hired my first virtual assistant in 2004 when I was just launching my coaching practice. And I knew I needed someone to help me with, with marketing. In some cases, it was mailers. Um, so while my VA was fully virtual, I did enjoy the benefit of them being close by so that I could drop off a, a box of stuff to mail with the, you know, with and and be able to sign the things and it was convenient. And actually when my VA moved on the other side of the hill from where I was living in Woodland Hills and she moved over to Culver City, I stopped working with her and I didn't have a VA for a number of years. And part of it was like I didn't know how I would get over having someone who wasn't there to do those types of things, you know, where I could drop off postage stamps or, uh, well, maybe that's kind of mundane, but drop off supplies that I had ordered that were in my office. So, but your, your business is a bit higher level and a bit distinct, distinct, distinctive. So first, can you explain to people a little bit about how this whole remote concept works as if you were talking to a prospective customer? And then um, maybe we'd, let's just start there. How does a remote VA work? And then also, what's the distinction between yours business and other VAs? Because your market, you have a different, I think, market that you work, sir. Yeah. So um, when I when we moved to upstate New York, and I actually landed one of the few roles in Rochester that was commensurate with our experience and at our level of compensation, Stephanie was home. Uh, with the kids and a friend of ours called and said, Hey, I know this fortune 100 consultant. She travels the world. She needs support. She doesn't care where you live. She wants someone who's great and she doesn't need full time. Are you interested? And Stephanie was like, sure. And um, we started running that invoice through pro assisting as the training company. And that kind of got our wheels turning and looking at the virtual assistant space as a whole. And what we found, um, frankly, it didn't align with either Stephanie nor my experience or compensation level. It was, you know, whether you're getting an, uh, an, a virtual assistant from overseas which you can pay $5 an hour. And that can be amazing if you find a great one um, or depending on your needs. But the US-based virtual assistants, it, it was a lot of companies charging $45 an hour for their service and then compensating the assistant at $18, $20, $22 an hour and partnering them with 8, 10, 12 clients. Now, the number of clients didn't align with what we know as providing great support. Um, we really feel that 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 a three to one executive to assistant ratio is the sweet spot. And that worked for us when Stephanie was leading teams of assistants and I was leading teams of assistants. Uh, and the other thing is the compensation, frankly, was just not even in the ballpark of where um, we needed to be to really leverage our experience. So we saw this gap between where kind of the virtual assistant service kind of ends and hiring a full-time assistant begins. And that's kind of where we've positioned pro assisting. And, you know, our knack is getting assistants who could command six figures in major metropolitan areas 
getting them to partner with us and take on clients. And frankly, a main reason is that for that is that the retainers that we collect, 80% of it goes to the assistant and they can create a really nice lifestyle business leveraging their metropolitan EA experience, move away from those large metropolitan areas and still support CEOs or non-executive board directors or entrepreneurs. And, and both, both Stephanie and I are currently serving clients. I have two, Stephanie has two. Um, we've been doing this since, I mean, since 2018 and are you 2017? Yeah. 2017. That was the the first client that Ethan mentioned. Um, it was my friend that reached out to me and said, Stephanie, I think this, this could, you'd be the perfect person for her. I was at home with a very young baby and, and a toddler for the first time, not working. And I found that I missed, I missed that, that part of my life. Um, so yeah, since 2017. Yeah, so, we really, so, yeah. so Stephanie, if you were, if a listener was running a family office and, you know, family offices involved in wealth management, their philanthropy, they're buying businesses, they're, I mean, there's a whole lot of activities that they might be doing. What might someone in your shoes be doing for them? What, what kind uh, of services to get people thinking about like, gosh, I never thought I could use someone to do that. Well, what might you be doing for them? Um, well, I um, one of one of my the CEOs I worked with in the financial world. I um, project managed a fifty million dollar home on the Connecticut coast um, for him. Uh, of course, with a, a, a team of of other people, but I was the point person. You know, I was the person that um, the the um, general contractor would talk to first and I would then filter all of that to, to my boss. So I was, you know, triaging everything for him. So he wasn't trapped in the weeds and he made it very clear, you know, Hey, Stephanie represents me. What she says is coming from me and you listen to her and respect her. So great. Awesome. So super. I would add, I would, I would, yeah. I mean that, that process, I mean, I think Stephanie is, 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 is being a little modest. I mean, uh, he brought her into the kickoff meeting with the architect, the general contractor, the project manager, and, you know, a representative from, from the town and, and basically said, this is Stephanie, you are dealing with her. When she says something, it's coming from me. I can't waste time by having interactions with all of you. We're leveraging Stephanie to filter through her. So she worked with the architect, all the way up to ensuring the art on the walls when it was finished. And I think that kind of speaks to, from a family office perspective, you know, an executive assistant can have an overview of all the properties, all the assets. Mm -hmm. They can know when insurance is going coming due or categorize the art collection and which pieces are at what property, Mm -hmm. um, manage the staff. Um, Another, um, another big part of my role was the, um, the, the, the annual, especially the annual giving, it was done more than once a year, but managing that um, one of the families that worked for had a foundation. So I was very involved um, working with our, the accountant um, and the lawyer in, in managing that process every year. Okay. So suppose that you don't have enough money to be able to do a $50 million home on the water in Connecticut. Um, 
what might some of our listeners who are lower end than, you know, than that, uh, what would they maybe expect to spend and, or where should they be in their, where might they be in their career that they would be thinking about hiring someone from your organization that's at that high level? Uh, help me understand that, Ethan. Yeah, sure. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, we, we work off of a three to one executive to assistant ratio. And what that means is each of our assistants has a maximum of three clients. And so we charge by resources. So one third, the resources of one of our assistants who would be in and out of your business and, and available to you Monday through Friday, nine to five after hours and on weekends in atypical situations, or should you be traveling or tracking flights? Um, we charge $3,000 a month. Okay. It's a flat retainer rate. And um, in terms of what they can do, uh, we really view a top level executive assistant as filling five performance multipliers. And, and we detail these in our book. Um, one is being a business partner. One is being a chief of staff. The other is being a project manager. The fourth is being an assistant slash scheduler. And the fifth is being a personal assistant. So um, it's really being that single point of contact that can take things off of a principal's plate, keep things from going onto their plate. And as Stephanie was mentioning, being that single point of contact for any number of things. We could talk, you know, um, one of one of my clients needed to get her fence repaired in the backyard. I got three general contractors with to show up and provide quotes to her husband. Um, I'm also interacting with the chairman of the board that she sits on and anything in between. And so in that kind of intimate relationship, that kind of partnership, you really need to create a no like and trust feeling both ways. And you need to be partnered with someone who's going to represent you and your business and your family at a high level, at the level that you want to be represented at. That's amazing. Yeah. We're offering that at $3,000 a month, $36,000 a year. That's the starter package or that's the standard lowest level that we work at. Yeah. And And then we have, that's about 70% of our clients. And and how many hours do they get for that? Is it, is it based on an hours or is it, well, all right, this is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm interested to get your take on this. Okay. Cause I think that's a very reasonable fee, by the way. Oh, uh, great. We're thinking about raising it, but not yet. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about hiring you before you raise it. Um, but, uh, you know, if you took 177 hours a month, which is average Monday through Friday, nine to five, and yeah. you divide it in three, yeah. you're, you're in the ballpark from the time component. Okay. But, we like to look at it and say that there are other values in this transaction than time. Right. And one being the experience of the assistant that we're partnering you with. This is not I, their first rodeo. I agree. They are, they are committed to Monday through Friday, nine to five work. Mm-hmm. They're not going to say, I can only answer emails between 10 and 12 on Wednesday and Thursday and Fridays. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting the exclusivity, meaning you know you're only sharing this assistant with two other clients. So they are responsive. You can call them randomly at 2.38 on a Wednesday and most likely they're going to pick up the phone. And then most importantly, and this gets glossed over a lot in the assistant role, is that they are going to gain legacy knowledge about you 
in your business, in your family, in your community that builds up inside the assistant over time. That's going to make them more efficient. That's going to make it so people are coming to them instead of you asking questions because they know they'll get a quicker response Mm -hmm. and they're going to know what's going to set you off, what's going to make you happy, um, what your objectives are. And there is a large value on that that is outside of time. Mm -hmm. Right. But you're what I heard you say is that you're getting almost 60 hours a month from this person. It's a little less than that, okay. in terms of, but yes. Yeah. It's a great value, I think. So, yeah, we should talk. Um, I do have a VA and I'm happy with them, um, but uh, you could always use more than one, I guess. So, all right, let's shift gears here. Uh, this is a program about family businesses and you are a family business. Um it's the two of you and you do have a disruptive successor, but I understand that they have to go to class it in 20 minutes. So yeah. they're, they're, yeah. Very, they're too young to really take over. So we won't be talking about the generational <laughs> transfer or the succession plan. What's it like to work together 24 seven, live together 24 seven. It almost looks like your studio is out of your home because it's so casual looking. I see a piano and a couch and, and oh, some yeah. nice artwork. I mean, yeah. what's the, What's the, what are the, what are the, what's the good, the bad and the ugly? All right. Who goes first? Okay. I guess I go first. So (laughs) I actually, um, earlier was walking our dog, our Bernese mountain dog puppy, Rosie. And I was thinking to myself, you know, tomorrow is Friday and Fridays, my husband likes to maybe get out and play some golf in the afternoons. And I find myself getting excited because that means that I get some time to myself. And that means having the house to myself. And it means just being quiet. Um, And I think that he feels the same way. I was on a trip recently um, where I was gone for a few days. And I I value that time. Um, As much time as we spend together, it's funny because I, you know, so many friends say to me, oh my God, I would, I would probably murder my husband if I worked with him and, you know, right. obviously we live together. Um, That's the ugly. I'm not sure if what you're telling me is the good or the bad. I'm still trying <laughs> to figure it out, but I think it's a double-edged, it's a double-edged sword here. It, it is. I mean, I, I think the good um, honestly is working together has forced us to communicate better in everything. So yeah, yeah. we have to, we have to communicate in the business and that has made it's, it's made me communicate much better, um, in our, you know, emotional, personal lives, um, and raising a young family. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a lot. And that's good. I, I think communication obviously is key in any business. We all can say that's a pretty generic statement. And part of the way I help my clients facilitate improved communication is by outlining what we call core values, uh, which I also call uh, shared values. They also could be called operating agreements or behaviors so that when you're hiring people that you know that they're going to be a good core value fit. And whatever those operating agreements or behaviors are, it might be do the right thing. It might be 
be professional, might be respond to all requests within 24 hours. And, and you'd have a whole lot of substatements around it. But, you know, I think when married couples work together, they often overlook having a set of core values that are documented and shared and communicated because they're living together 24 seven and they just assume these values. But I, I do think that it makes sense to have values and they're articulated and uh, because culture really matters, right? Um, Peter Drucker said culture eats strategy for lunch and yeah. family dynamics. Someone said recently eats culture uh, before or for, I'm sorry, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And the person said, yeah. And family dynamics eats culture before strategy, you know, before breakfast or something. So right. these are, you know, it's challenging. So decision-making um, how is it done? Do you have an equal say? Do you have to have an agreement? Do you commit once there's agreement? Does one person have more of a say? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I think in our relationship, um, Ethan tends to be the big idea guy. And I love that about him. He's a dreamer. He's super creative, very imaginative. And I mean, that's, you know, part of what made me fall in love with him in the first place. Um, and I always listen to all of his ideas, his pitches, whatever. And then I contemplate and I, I have to ruminate and think. Um, and he calls me the governor. And I know that sounds kind of, you know. No, I, I think that's great. I like that. Yeah, so that's I'm the, you're, I'm you're, the governor. The, you're the manager of the, you're the get it done, the taskmaster. Now, yeah. I, I have to just digress for a moment and ask. Ethan, was it your idea to get a Bernese mountain dog, which is a giant dog and put it in 1100 square foot apartment in New York city? Because that's pretty imaginative. I have to say. We, or Stephanie we was actually, that was mutual. I mean, well, okay. So it, we digress. did have a debate. Stephanie wanted a golden and I had a burner. Big I really dog. wanted another burner. Oh yeah. Um, but we actually bought our condo for a dog we didn't have yet. Oh, that, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Her condo had like <laughs> 700 square foot terrace. Yeah. And so she was out, she was able to be out there in, you know, zero degree weather. Well, and, just and also when we there. say terrace, it was a ground, it was ground level with grass. It wasn't like a Got it. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. Let's <laughs> right. get back to the business stuff. So, yeah, 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 so yeah. we got to balance work, life, family. Um, well, I so, didn't get a chance to yeah, add. To Ethan, you go ahead. Answer the question. All right. So, I think, I think our communication actually started before we started the business, obviously being a couple, um, living in New York city, um, and both having the same kind of role, but just different industries, there would be years when Stephanie made four times the amount of money I made. Wow. And yeah, because she was bonused out twice a year. It was a hedge fund. It was high flying in her. CEO was a prince of a man and really valued her. So um, that along with creating issues in with my ego and where I was and how being an assistant in a male, a male assistant in a female dominated role and, you know, and, and feeling a little bit ashamed around that um, definitely had to, we had to have open lines of communication there because we purchased this condo and the way we were able to purchase it was on her salary and her bonus. And so 
you know, whenever somebody comes to us at like, you know, we like to sit at the bar when we go out for dinner and a young couple sit next to us and they're engaged and we're like, Oh, congratulations. And they're like, okay, so what advice you guys look so happy. It all comes down to talking <laughs> about money, making sure you're on the same page from a financial perspective and, and knowing your numbers and everything. And then when we moved upstate and we both didn't have jobs, that's when we really started tracking our monthly spending on a down to the penny basis. And those conversations between us, I think, really set the foundation for successful business because we could really start to see how we can really do this. We can really make this happen. Yeah. Because we we kind of built our business to fill ourselves up with clients, which we did fairly quickly. And then we started partnering with assistants and filling up with more clients. We're now on the back half of that where we're kind of, Stephanie and I are, are kind of maybe decreasing our client load so we can put more focus on the business. But having those initial conversations in New York City around finances was huge. The other thing I'll say is that we have a running joke is that I handle outside the house and Stephanie handles inside. She keeps everything alive and I'm outside the house. Um, in, in, in our business, what's interesting is that we kind of are siloed. So like we have a get together in the morning, like, where are you going? What are you doing? What's on your plate goes both ways. It's like our morning meeting. Yeah. And yeah. I have, right. I hand, right. I, I handle the sales and the assistant side. Stephanie is, um, is just so much better at the, at the big picture, um, brainstorming with, uh, assistance about how to get projects done, um, and, and handling that side, um, that it's really, it's not us sitting in the same room nine to five. Right. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we like to lean into that idea because it freaks people out, but you know, it, the balance is, is actually really good. That's great. Do you see the possibility of adding anyone else to your leadership team or management team in the future? Have you contemplated that? Doesn't, doesn't look like the answer is yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. I think we, we did. We, we are partnered with, we're, we're eating our own dog food and that yeah. we have an assistant for us now that's yes. oh, great. in our model. And, and we're, we're neck deep in, in creating a second revenue stream for the business on the assistant side from an educational and training perspective. So we're kind of going full circle to what we started in Amazing. 2009. And, and now, you know, we've had the experience of bringing 80 plus assistants and ha going through a transition from working a W2 full-time role to working clients and them being so much happier and really the technology caught up, you know, it used to be, you had a Mac, you couldn't do certain Microsoft programs or you had a mic PC. You couldn't, that's all gone away. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we really, that's kind of really what we saw in 2017, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So as we wrap up the show, what would you say are some of the greatest challenges going forward or currently in your business? You want to go first? You want me to go? Um, yeah, well, certainly the elephant in the room um, is is AI mm -hmm. and and how that is going to play a role um, in all of our lives. And, you know, as a threat 
um, to our industry. Um, we, I still like to think of us as um, we are still people and we bring so much more to the table than, than just facts and answers. Um, we're more about the hospitality um, problem solving side of it. Um, but where do you see the AI taking its place? I mean, uh, clearly like note taking in meet in minutes in meetings, right? You don't need to be on a zoom meeting as an executive assistant to take notes when, you know, whatever fathom note taker, whatever the, you know, AI otter, whatever tool yeah. you're using can just yeah. do all that transcribe it. You could clean it up, send it and, you know, highlight the key points. But like, where else are you seeing the, the threats or risk of, you know, threat of substitutes? Um, I mean, say travel planning, you know, um, that calendaring that, travel cal planning. Yeah. Calendar. I mean, already if, you know, if you use Apple products, you know, if, if you're messaging with someone mentioning like, Hey, let's meet for coffee next week at 10. Suri is already suggesting, Hey, can I put this in your calendar for, you know, next Thursday at 10 with Megan? Right. Uh, it's it's already there, um, but certainly Can we talk about travel for just another moment, because I find that I spend too much time on travel and I have yet to create a set of rules that I would then hire someone to do my travel planning. Um, I mean, rules like he likes aisle, not window or vice versa. He likes, you know, obviously he likes to sit up towards in business class on, on, I mean, you could create a set of rules that the challenges I find that, and, and there's some AI, right. You can use Google flights, for instance, to see who's doing, uh, who's got the best fares. But the thing that I spend a lot of time with is actually looking at the seat. How, how big is the seat? How much arm room is it? Does it go back? You know, because I don't want to fly premium economy cross country if the seat only goes back six inches and is basically like being in the back of a bus. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm too spoiled, too old, too whatever, to my back just doesn't like it. So but I have a threshold. I don't want to pay two thousand dollars really to fly across country unless it's a four day, you know, back and forth. And I got to do it. And so I think it's really difficult to book travel period is what I'm saying. And then to think that AI is going to be able to figure this all out and have a set of rules. Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I don't even know that a person, a person, a VA can do it that well for somebody. Yeah, no, we, we answer, we get to the, the, the nub of all of those things you're mentioning I bet. With, with our new client questionnaire Yeah, and it's a conversation. It it's is. a breathing document that you have with your executive assistant and it doesn't happen overnight. Right. And, you know, all good things take a little patience, take a little time. Um, but with, with AI and what we're seeing, number one, Stephanie made a great point. We've already been interacting with it and seeing it, just not knowing that we're calling that machine learning or artificial intelligence. Right. So that those things have been happening. Right. But one of the things that we think that we're kind of planning our flag on is that we are at the high end of the fractional remote support space, um, but we are still much lower than hiring a full time assistant. And our level of clientele, we believe this is a thesis that they want 
someone to know how to leverage AI in their favor, but they really don't care. They don't want to sit down and learn AI. They just want to know that their assistant's getting the best information, giving them the most options and working as efficiently as possible on their work and for them leveraging these new technologies. And so I think we're in a period where it's come really hard and fast from November when ChatGPT really came out and took the world by storm. But we are going to go through this five to 10 year period where, you know, you're still going to have a lot of people who frankly don't care about AI. You know, their life was fine before it. It's going to be fine after it. And it's more about partnering with a person that they know, like and trust who has all of their information at their fingertips and can sit on hold with Delta for two hours, yeah. you know, and, and those kind of things. So it's, it's it, at first, I think I stuck my head in the sand like an ostrich and didn't want to think about it. But now I think it's a huge opportunity. It's just a matter of what prism you look at it through and how you look at it. Sounds good. Well, guys, we need to wrap up. It was a pleasure having you on the show and talking to you. Uh, I hope people who listen to the show will think about the activities that you're doing uh, that are really in the bucket of the trivial many. I talked in a few episodes earlier about the vital few and the trivial many and applying strategic focus and, and leveraging your time and talent. So you could spend more time in your zone of genius you know, Dan Sullivan calls it unique abilities, um, but just working on the stuff that you're really passionate about, that you're really great at, that you love doing, that's high value, that's high paying and find other people who love what they're doing and whom you can offload that work to because they're probably really great at it. And I always say, if someone can do something 80% as well as you can give it to them in this case, these people might be a hundred percent better than you at it. And so uh, do, you know, give up the things that you don't like doing or you do like doing, and you may be even competent at if it leverages your time and talents. And I'm sure the two of you would agree. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like, I like that uh, rule of thumb. Yeah. And, and I would just say like, you know, not, not pro assisting in us, uh, but there are so many options out there. And, and as you mentioned before, you have a VA, but you might, might also want a fractional executive assistant to manage your VA. And the options nowadays in that remote space, remote support space, there are many. And whenever we talk to a prospect, it's not about hire us. It's about really, what do you need? Because we're a month to month agreement. And it's all about what does this person need? Because I don't want to go through the work of partnering them with someone and going two months in and they're like, whoa, 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 this is too much. So it's all about dissecting what the principal would need and then pointing them in that right direction. So exactly. exactly. Options well, are endless. Tom Friedman said it well when he wrote the book, The World is Flat. And yes. uh, folks, you are just a digital call away from your, you know, what you need. So, all right, Ethan, Stephanie, thanks so much. Folks, you know the drill. If you got some value from this, share this episode with other people. Um, if you're interested in pro assisting, uh, they can find you where best? It would it be website, LinkedIn? Website and LinkedIn, Ethan Bull, Stephanie Bull on LinkedIn and website is proassisting.com. 
Sounds easy enough. And folks, uh, give us a great rating on your listening podcast application of choice and stay tuned for future episodes. Thanks so much. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.